The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to open your mind and your heart? Welcome to the Fate of Humanity, Crucial Conversations for Our Survival. With your host, Lauren N. Nile, we can mature beyond today's prejudice and xenophobia. We can save our beautiful planet. The keys are self-awareness, awareness of others, and most important, love. Now, here's Lauren. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my brand new radio show. I'm Lauren Nile, and it's my extreme pleasure to be able to speak to you through this Voice America platform. But now, before I begin, I'd, I'd like to thank Sandra Rogers, my senior executive producer, uh, basically for giving me this opportunity. And I'd also like to thank Jeff Gertzel, Randy Jackman, and the entire rest of the production team, because they were really, really wonderful in getting me up and running and ready to broadcast. Uh, I, I truly consider myself fortunate to be able to work with such great people. They were just fantastic. So thank you, everybody, for getting me to this point. So now I'm, I'm using this first show to just introduce myself to you as your host and uh, to introduce the show itself to you. We'll get into the the substance of the show beginning next week. Now, so that you know just a little bit about myself, I'm an author, a trainer, a workshop facilitator, a keynote speaker, and I'm also a retired lawyer. Uh, I've been conducting training for the past 27 years uh, in a variety of areas, really, leadership, uh, effective communication skills, uh, team building, working successfully with different temperaments and diversity and a few others. So I work with organizations in helping them to make their environments uh, really ones in which everybody, all of their employees are, you know, equally valued and equally welcomed, irrespective of any kind of demographic difference that people may have, their race, their gender, their disability, their age, their sexual orientation, etc. I, I like to describe the goal of my work as that of helping people to see the divine in themselves and themselves and each other. That's that's how I often de- define my work and describe my work. Now, the title of my show, as you know, is The Fate of Humanity, Crucial Conversations for Our Survival. And and that title really captures what, what we'll be discussing on the show. You see, I care deeply about the human species. I care deeply about humanity. And I believe that if, as human beings, we're going to survive and indeed hopefully thrive, There's knowledge that we have to acquire. And then based upon that knowledge, there are conversations that we need to have. And of course, there are things that we have to do if we're going to make it in the future. And I I personally think that, you know, a show focused on these things is more important now than it has been in our recent history. I mean, just look at where we are right now. Look at where we are. Not only are there terrorism attacks all over the world, but now the United States and North Korea are involved in what may be 
a, a steady march to a nuclear showdown. And, you know, that kind of war, of course, could, in the worst possible scenario, end human civilization. I mean, it's just sobering. I'm, I'm old enough to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. I was young, I was a child, but I remember it. And the thing that most got to me was just how frightened all of the adults were. And I, I can't believe that now, all these decades later, we may be back there again on the brink of nuclear war. But, you know, not only are we possibly on the precipice of nuclear disaster, uh, the scientific community is telling us that if we don't make some fundamental changes in how we live, we may also be on the verge of environmental disaster. We're polluting the air, the water, and the soil of our planet at an alarming rate. You know, animal and plant species are disappearing at an alarming rate. We're beginning to see in our weather patterns a result of climate change. Um, My friends, never before in human history have we ever stood at the edge of such a deadly double cliff of possible human obliteration of nuclear war on the one hand and environmental disaster on the other. So on, on this show, on, on my show, I'm, I'm going to share with you some of the knowledge that I believe we must possess and some of the actions that I believe we must take in order for us to continue as a human species on this beautiful planet of ours. But folks, this is radio. <laughs> so most of all, we're going to have some discussions, some conversations, conversations that I, that I believe we've got to have if we're going to make it as human beings. Now, our our conversations are going to fall into three general subject matter areas. We are one, we are brilliant, and we are divine. Let, Let me say that again. Our conversations are going to fall into three general subject matter areas. We are one, we are brilliant, and we are divine. In the we are one segment, we're going to have conversations about the fact that as human beings, we truly are one giant family, which is one of the truths that I think we, we've just got to know. We've just got to understand if we're going to survive. We have to understand that we're all much more alike than we are different. We have to begin to know that in using differences such as race and sex, religion, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, national origin, disability, class, and so many of those other things that we use to divide ourselves, we're actually killing ourselves. Now, of all of those differences, we're going to start with race and racism. Because in my experience, of all of those differences that I just mentioned, all of those differences that we use to divide ourselves, It's racism more than any other that people are uncomfortable talking about. I've been doing diversity training for 27 years now, as I I said at the top of the show. And in the hundreds of diversity workshops that I've done over all of those years, more than any other single thing, more than any other ism, it's racism that people are most uncomfortable discussing. And yet, racism remains one of our most intractable forms of discrimination. So we're going to start on this show with race and racism. And then over time, we'll work our way through all of the other isms, which are also extremely important. Uh, Some of our conversations that we'll be talking about regarding race and racism 
are how every human being on earth is literally biologically related to every other human being on the planet. (laughs) In other words, we're going to be talking about the fact that we are literally related to each other and how that's the case. We're going to discuss the science, the specific molecular DNA biology that underlies that fact that you've got to admit is pretty doggone profound. We're going to be discussing how the human species can move beyond all of our isms and phobias, all of them. Colorism, sexism, anti-Semitism, racism, classism, ageism, ableism, heterosexism, lookism, homophobia, xenophobia of all kinds. We're going to get to them all. So let me share with you just 10 of the questions that we'll be addressing regarding race specifically. Number one, what's the origin of race? Did we all start out looking so different from each other? Is that how we were originally created? Why do we look so different from each other anyway? Number two, what's the origin of racism? What's the actual source of racism? Has it always existed? Is it just a natural human reality that we're therefore you know, doomed to live with forever? I certainly hope not. Number three, Is affirmative action just reverse racism? That's one that is still somewhat controversial, even today. Number four, why do we have Black History Month and, for that matter, Women's History Month and Hispanic American Heritage Month and Native American Heritage Month and all these other months for all of these different groups? And why don't European Americans have a month? Why isn't there an Irish American History Month or an Italian American Heritage Month? Isn't it racist to have a month for everybody but white people? That's a fair question. Number five, what psychological toll does it take on a group of people to be targeted for discrimination and harassment? How does it affect their psychological health, their emotional health? In other words, what does it do to a person on the inside to be discriminated against and harassed based upon how they look, based upon characteristics that they were born with? Number six, is there a case for reparations by the federal government to African Americans, to Native Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, or any other group of Americans? If not, why not? And if so, what is that case? Now, that's something that we'll discuss in some detail because, wow, um, it's an issue that I think is still on the minds of many people today. Books are being written about it. It's being talked about. Seven, Is there really such a thing as unearned privilege? If so, what is it? And how does it show up in people's lives? And how does it impact the quality of people's lives, both those who have the the privilege and those who don't? Number eight, what are microaggressions? I hear that term microaggressions. What are they? And why is it so important for those who don't live with microaggressions to understand them and to understand how they impact those who do live with them? Number nine, Why do the vast majority of Americans of color vote with the Democratic Party and significantly more European Americans vote with the Republican Party? In this day of very charged politics in our country, in the United States, that's a question that I think is on the minds of many. We're going to go there. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, what can we do globally as a species to mature beyond bigotry? to mature beyond hatred, to, be, to mature beyond violence? My friends, those are valid questions. They're, they're fair questions. 
And I strongly believe that it's important for a critical mass of people, for a critical mass of us, to know the answers to those questions. Now, some of the titles of the shows in which we'll be discussing those subjects are the following. The Oneness of Humanity, the Molecular DNA Behind It, Our Unconscious Bias, the Source and the Cure, Internalized Oppression, Unlearning It and Letting It Go, Unearned Privilege, What It Is and What Can We Do About It, Microaggressions, A Real Education on the Experience of Others, Common Responses to Conversations about Racially-Based Microaggressions, and responses to those common responses. The psychology of racism, its impact on European Americans, Americans of color, and the planet. And we'll discuss just as carefully in the same amount of detail, as I said, all of the other isms, sexism, anti-Semitism, etc. So, as we go to break now, friends, it's, it's time for us to take a break. As we, as we go to break, let me summarize by saying that our We Are One segment is devoted to the theme that as human beings, we must begin to see each other as equals. And we must begin to love each other as the sisters and the brothers around the world that we truly are. Okay, we're going to take a break now. Again, I'm Lauren Nile. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Lauren is available for readings of her book, Race, My Story, and Humanity's Bottom Line, for keynote speaking engagements, training engagements, and for the facilitation of retreats. She works with both large and small organizations. Her interactive and experiential workshops range from four hours to four days in length. When working with groups, Lauren's style is a comfortable blend of both passion and peacefulness. She brings her sense of humor appropriately to all of her work. Lauren's work with groups has been described as eye-opening, inspirational, powerful, and life-changing. The goal of Lauren's work with employers is to help organizations create work environments in which every individual is both highly welcomed and equally valued. The goal of Lauren's speaking and training in the greater society is to help the human species grow in both wisdom and compassion. Her fervent desire is to help all people see the divine in themselves and themselves in each other. For more information about Lauren's programs, please visit laurennile.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. To reach host Lauren N. Nile with questions or comments about the program, please send an email to author and speaker Lauren at gmail.com. That's author and speaker Lauren at gmail.com. Now, let's return to the fate of humanity. Well, welcome back, listeners, and welcome back to The Fate of Humanity, Crucial Conversations for Our Survival. I'm your host, Lauren Nile. Before the break, I described uh, what I call the We Are One segment of the show. In the We Are Brilliant segment, we'll focus on the fact that as human beings, we are incredibly smart. We're, We're brilliant, really. I mean, when you consider what we've accomplished technologically over just the past 100 years, When you think about our technology and what it was in 1917, as compared to where it is today, just 100 short years, just a lifetime later, in 2017, I mean, our brilliance as a species is obvious. You can't doubt it. But we'll be taking a look on the show at the fact that we're much smarter than we are wise, and that if we're going to survive and thrive in the future... In addition to becoming smarter, we've got to start valuing and cultivating wisdom. We've got to start appreciating the importance of becoming wiser. I mean, look at where all of our smarts have gotten us to the brink of destroying ourselves. So on this show, we'll ask, for example, how might we go about becoming wiser? Is it perhaps uh, by using a larger percentage of our brains? Approximately what percentage of our brains do we really use anyway? What does science say about the potential of the human brain? What are we actually capable of? In other words, what's possible for us? What's possible for our species? You know, I want to know what it would take for human beings to begin to use even a tiny fraction more of our brains. And if we did... How might it be possible for us to actually live on this earth? Or maybe it's not a matter of using more brain power at all. But if not, are there other ways for us to develop in wisdom? And if so, what are they? Goodness knows, we need to know. So that's uh, some of what we'll be discussing in our We Are Brilliant segment. In the We Are Divine segment of the show, we'll, we'll be talking about the belief held by many people, myself included, that as human beings, we have the potential for what I'm referring to as divinity, or you know, some people call it holiness. We'll have conversations about the fact that our survival depends on our getting in touch with our potential to be divine, 
to be holy. We'll also discuss issues of faith and spirituality and religion, as well as what I refer to as the ultimate mysteries or uh, the big questions. Some of our specific topics in our We Are One Divine segment are, are we really made in the image and likeness of a divine creator? What does that actually mean? We're going to discuss the human experiences of curiosity about and awe about and wonderment at the miraculous universe in which we live. And more specifically, we're, we're going to be talking about why so few of us, as adults anyway, have the curiosity about the world and about the universe and how they work that so many of us had as kids. We'll have conversations about the mysteries of our universe, including, for example, uh, the Big Bang Theory, the scientific theory that the entire known universe began from an infinitesimally tiny speck that exploded, I think, about four and a half billion years ago, creating everything in the universe today. We'll ask, what was that tiny speck? Where did it come from? How did it come into being? Something from nothing? How is that even possible? And how is it possible that everything in the universe came from it? We'll ask the question, if it's illogical to assume that the universe has always existed, and therefore that it was created by God, then isn't it equally as illogical to think that God has just always existed? I mean, if the universe had to have been created at some point, isn't the same also true of God? Now, (laughs) I'm a theist. In in other words, I'm not an agnostic, someone who doesn't have an opinion one way or the other. And I'm not an atheist, a non-believer. I am a theist. I'm a believer. I very deeply believe in a divine creator. But we'll have a conversation about what it means to believe, to believe in God, as most English speakers in the Western world would say. We'll look at the question of whether the universe is finite or infinite, And if it is finite, if it is a sphere or a square or something with finite borders, what's outside of it? What's just beyond the borders of the universe? And finally, we'll talk about what the world would be like if, as a species, a critical mass of us were more curious about such things. What the world would potentially be like if we spent more time pondering about, thinking about, and discussing those kinds of mysteries, those questions and indeed if we spent more time trying to find answers to them. We'll talk about what we know about where we are physically located in our solar system, in our galaxy, and in our universe. We'll discuss the possibility of the existence of intelligent life on other planets, and if they do exist, what those beings could be like, and how they might live, and whether it's possible that they may be aware of us. I very deeply believe that if more of us were focused on those large questions, some of those profound mysteries with which we live every day, it'll become more and more clear that so many of our current ways of thinking and much of what we do from the smallest stage, you know, from our personal lives to what we do internationally is small-minded, immature, and dangerous. I believe that if we're going to survive and, and, and if we're going to do well and thrive in the future, More of us have to be curious about. We have to begin focusing on the big questions. Why, you may ask. Why? Why why do those questions matter? Well, I believe they matter because they give us perspective. Those questions keep us in touch with the fact that in the entire universe, 
this is our only home. This is the only planet on which, at least right now, we know for sure we can live. It'll keep us cognizant of just how small and fragile our world is, and therefore how important it is for us to take good care of it, to be good stewards of it. It'll keep us in touch with how we're all alike, because we all come from this same small little spinning globe in space. We're also going to talk about matters such as faith and spirituality and religion in the We Are Divine segment. We'll have discussions about the history of human spirituality and the history of many of the world's great religions. We'll talk about the differences, but but also about many of the interesting similarities among the world's religions. We'll discuss whether our brains are actually wired for us to believe in something greater and more powerful than ourselves. There's some scientific evidence that we indeed may we indeed may be wired, our brains may be wired for us to believe. Uh, we'll talk about why so many of our human conflicts, historically and even today, are rooted in religion. And most of all, we'll have a conversation about how, on a global basis, we can mature beyond religion-based conflict. Essentially, in the We Are One, We Are Brilliant, and We Are Divine segments, I'm going to use the show to create a forum for us to discuss what humanity can do to mature. Folks, I am so looking forward to doing this show with you. I'm so looking forward to doing the show for you. And as you listen to the show week after week, I'd like you to gradually begin to feel that you know me, you know, that that you understand my worldview. So uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, so that you get to know who I am as a person. Well, at heart, I'm a, I'm a spiritual seeker. I, I like to refer to myself as a pilgrim on a spiritual path. My spirituality is the most important thing in my life. It is, in fact, the very core of my life. You see, as a child, beginning very early in childhood, My inner life was one of consistent awe and constant wonder and amazing fantasy about the world and about the universe. I I think that that curiosity resulted uh, from the fact that I was born. I I, I really was born, I think, with the the questions about reality and, and how it works. Throughout my childhood, I was completely captivated by those mysteries by questions which really no adult was able to answer, and questions to which, frankly, there simply were no answers, and to this day are no answers. As I said earlier, I I refer to those questions as the great mysteries. My little mind's, my little child's mind was was captivated by the mysteries, uh, by questions, um, among a whole lot of others, uh, about how the universe started, about how God came into existence, about whether time travel was possible, especially to the future, um, and about whether, get this now, <laughs> I was a kid, remember, but about whether there was another whole world, a world exactly parallel to ours, that was on the other side of the mirror. <laughs> I wondered about life on other planets and about so many other things. Now, throughout childhood, my Uh, And really, even into my teenage years, science, science was the vehicle that I used to try to understand the universe. And I loved it. 
I loved science. I Some of you may remember the Mr. Wizard show. I watched it every Saturday morning without fail. I mean, I, I loved the Mr. Wizard show. I was a little science geek, a little science nut from the time I first learned what science is. And I was a happy little science geek because my mother allowed me to pursue my scientific interests and even encouraged it. Among my favorite childhood memories was the surprise birthday present that I got for my 12th birthday. It was a hot summer afternoon in 1965 when I walked into the house to find a beautifully wrapped, long, rectangular box on the dining room table with a beautiful birthday card. As I suspected, it was from my mother. She, she loved surprising me. And so as I anxiously tore off the wrapping, I wondered from the size and shape of the box whether it was that telescope that I had desperately wanted for a long time. It was. And of course, I was ecstatic. My mother loved surprising me with gifts. And this was a big one. My 1965 Jason telescope was basically powerful enough to see only the craters on the moon, but I stared at those craters through the lens of that telescope for years, over and over and over again. Well, it's, it's time for a break now, folks. So um, we'll take a short pause here, but I'll come back on the other side of the break, and I'll continue telling you a little bit more about myself um, and about the little Lauren, the science geek, right on the other side of the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Lauren is available for readings of her book, Race, My Story, and Humanity's Bottom Line, for keynote speaking engagements, training engagements, and for the facilitation of retreats. She works with both large and small organizations. Her interactive and experiential workshops range from four hours to four days in length. When working with groups, Lauren's style is a comfortable blend of both passion and peacefulness. She brings her sense of humor appropriately to all of her work. Lauren's work with groups has been described as eye-opening, inspirational, powerful, and life-changing. The goal of Lauren's work with employers is to help organizations create work environments in which every individual is both highly welcomed and equally valued. The goal of Lauren's speaking and training in the greater society is to help the human species grow in both wisdom and compassion. Her fervent desire is to help all people see the divine in themselves and themselves in each other. For more information about Lauren's programs, please visit laurennile.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the fate of humanity, crucial conversations for our survival. To reach host Lauren N. Nile with questions or comments about the program, please send an email to author and speaker Lauren at gmail.com. That's author and speaker Lauren at gmail.com. Now, let's return 
to the fate of humanity. Hi, welcome back, friends. Um, Before the break, I was just introducing myself to you and trying to give you a sense of who I am as a person so that you can hopefully get to know me a little bit as we go through the segments of the show week in and week out. And I was describing to you that I have been a little science geek uh, in my early life. And um, and so I, I'm going to just continue with that story. Um, and then as we continue, uh, you'll hear more about me as an adult. Remember, this is just an introduction to the series. So, yeah, I just told you that I'd gotten uh, a Jason telescope for my 12th birthday. Well, a couple of years later, my mother bought me the Jason microscope that I wanted. And once again, it was a surprise. I asked for it for my, I think it was my 14th birthday, uh, my 14th Christmas, rather. Now, what I liked most about my microscope was that it allowed me to glimpse even another universe, yet an entire other universe, a minuscule universe that existed within the limitless one of planets and solar systems and galaxies that I was familiar with. Um, and indeed, it was the very foundation of the grand universe uh, that you know all of us are familiar with. And believe it or not, folks, over more than 40 years later, my Jason telescope and my Jason microscope live on in my garage to this day as two of my most cherished childhood keepsakes. I'll always keep them. Now, I, I got a chemistry set, too, at some point when I was a kid. Um, I think it was for one of my birthdays. Uh, my brother Lambert and I caused a minor explosion in the kitchen one day with it. <laughs> and so after that, I never saw my chemistry set again. I think after that, my father did away with it. I don't remember how old I was when I learned that Albert Einstein once said, I want to know how God created this world. I'm not interested in this or that phenomenon. I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are just details. As I say, I honestly don't remember how old I was when I learned that Einstein uh, had said that. I don't know how, how old I was when I learned that Einstein quote, but I do remember that from the very second that I heard it, I thought, That's me. I want to understand everything about the universe. I want to know God's thoughts. Uh, By the way, the stories of how I got my telescope and my microscope are just two of the stories that you'll hear on the show. As you listen to the show week in and week out, you'll begin to see that I'm, I'm a storyteller. I tell lots of stories. I love knowledge, both learning it and sharing it. And I think that as human beings... One of the most powerful ways that we can learn and share knowledge is through the telling of stories, through the listening to stories. So if you enjoy listening to stories, my guess is that you'll enjoy this show a lot. I certainly hope so anyway. So that was my inner life as a child, a a, a life of deep and profound curiosity about the absolute mysteries of this world and this universe of ours. Now, at the same time that I lived in that inner world of scientific fascination with the origin of the universe and how it worked, I also had a passionate desire to do something when I grew up to make the world a better place, a kinder place, uh, a more compassionate place. I wanted to do whatever I could to help people to understand that no matter how we look, no matter you know, whether we're rich or poor, no matter what our religion, our nationality, our sex, on the inside, we're all the same. On the inside, we all have the same feelings, the same emotions. Uh, 
on the inside, we love just as deeply. And so we're all equal. I, I wanted to do something to help us, all of us, all of us human beings around the planet, to respect and to understand and to, and to love each other. Now, you may ask, well, where did that come from in a child? Well, I'm convinced that that early desire of mine to help the world in that way came from the fact that I saw what can happen when we lose sight of all of our ways in which we're the same. I lived what can happen when we lose our connectedness, connectedness to each other. When some of us begin to believe that we're better than, actually superior to others, based upon an immutable characteristic. In my case, it was race. I'm African American. You see, my mother taught me that no one is better than us and that we're no better, better than anybody else because of our race. I was taught that all people are equal in God's sight and that I should judge people by their heart, not by how they looked or how they talked or how they dressed or where they lived. That's what I was taught at home for as far back as I can remember. But I'd been born in the Deep South, New Orleans, <laughs> in, 1960, in 1953, 11 years before the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 64. So for the majority of my preteen years, for the majority of my childhood, before the passage of the Civil Rights Act, I couldn't drink from the same water fountain that white kids drank from. I, I couldn't use the same restrooms they used. In, in some places, there were three restrooms, men, women, and colored. I couldn't eat with my parents at the same restaurants at, at which white kids ate with their parents. I couldn't go to Pontchartrain Beach, the city's white-only amusement park, right on Lake Pontchartrain and Lakeshore Drive. That was uh, no more than a five or ten minute drive from our house, which I really wanted to do in order to ride what seemed to me at the time to be the most amazing roller coaster in the world. I couldn't go into the Howard Johnson's ice cream parlor that we passed every single day on the way home from school to have one of those 28 flavors of ice cream. When we went to the train station to pick up my great uncle Marshall who lived in New York City and came down by train to visit us every summer, we had to sit in the colored section of the train station, which was perhaps one third of the entire station. The whole rest of Union Station was the white only seating area. When we went to the Shrine Circus at the Municipal Auditorium, we had to sit so high up in the auditorium's uh, colored section, the nosebleed seats, that it was virtually impossible to see what was taking place on the stage floor below. When my mother took me to see kids' movies, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, we had to sit in the colored section of the movie theater. In, in one theater, I kid you not, even the concession stands were segregated, one for colored and one for white. My parents couldn't go listen to jazz in any of the French Quarter clubs, the same clubs in which black musicians were performing. I, I remember uh, one of my uh, most vivid memories is that in the front section of the supermarket that we shopped in, Schwegman's Supermarket in Gentilly, um, there were two water fountains, each on either side of a large white round floor-to-ceiling support column. Down one side, in big, black, bold capital letters, uh, was W-H-I-T-E. And then, and then painted down the other side of the column were the letters C-O-L-O-R-E-D. Now, 
The white fountain was tall and silver and metal and cold. Ours was low and white and porcelain and hot. And, you know, judging from the frost that you could see that was accumulating so quickly on the mouthpiece of the white fountain, it had a strong, steady stream of icy cold water. Ours had a trickle of warm water. I saw no black salespeople or cashiers in department stores. Uh, I, I saw no black salespeople or cashiers in, in, in drug stores, grocery stores, furniture stores, no stores. I saw African Americans only sweeping and mopping their floors. I saw on television only white men as reporters and news anchors and meteorologists and sportscasters and politicians. In those days, there weren't even any white women in those positions. Even the city's cemeteries were segregated, as they were all over the South. You know, the law said that everything had to be separate but equal. Well, in my experience, growing up in New Orleans in the 50s and 60s, it was always separate, but it was never equal. So, you know, during my childhood years, I was struck by the absolute unfairness of segregation. I, I just couldn't understand why, because of how we looked, because of physical characteristics with which we were born, we were being treated so badly every day of our lives. My thought was, and you know, again, I was a kid, so it was rather simplistic, but my thought was, but, but white people weren't born white. I mean, they weren't, you know, they didn't ask to be born white, just as we didn't ask to be born brown. They, they didn't choose their color just as we didn't choose ours. It's not fair. You know, kid, kids want everything to be fair, right? And, and I was just struck by the unfairness of it. And, you know, when I asked that question, because kids don't know, obviously, about these things. They have to be taught. You, know, you have to live these things and see them and experience them. And then you start asking the questions. What? Why, why is the world like this? What, why do they think these things of us you know and my mother told me that the laws are are not right that the laws were, were not just and that one day it'll end um and so we we just have to make sure that that we may remain steadfast so in in living all of those experiences which i had so early in my life i saw i mean i i actually lived what evil can be wrought when we lose sight of our shared humanity. So in my very early life, in addition to being a little science nut, I also became a little social philosopher, giving my opinion to anyone who'd listen about you know, how the world should be and how the world could be. And uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> all those conversations with my f- high school friends earned me the nickname of professor in high school. You know, I greatly admired Dr. King. I, I was nearly 15 when he died, and I was very deeply moved by his speeches, profoundly moved. And I believed what he was saying about love and about the possibility that we could love one another on this planet, like the brothers and sisters that we truly are. As a child, I believed Dr. King, and I was inspired by him. And I, I still believe in his message to this day. So, yes... Uh, At heart, more than anything else, I'm a seeker. I'm a spiritual pilgrim. And then secondarily, I'm a social activist. I'm also an author of a book about race. 
the title of my book is Race, My Story, and Humanity's Bottom Line. I'll tell you more about it later. I'll also tell you when we get back from the break uh, a little bit about myself as a keynote speaker um, and, and as a trainer. Um, so uh, it's time for another break, friends. Stay where you are. Don't go away. And uh, right on the other side of the break, I'll be back with you, tell you a little bit about, about myself and about my work and a little bit more about the show. All right. See you in a few minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Lauren is available for readings of her book, Race, My Story, and Humanity's Bottom Line, for keynote speaking engagements, training engagements, and for the facilitation of retreats. She works with both large and small organizations. Her interactive and experiential workshops range from four hours to four days in length. When working with groups, Lauren's style is a comfortable blend of both passion and peacefulness. She brings her sense of humor appropriately to all of her work. Lauren's work with groups has been described as eye-opening, inspirational, powerful, and life-changing. The goal of Lauren's work with employers is to help organizations create work environments in which every individual is both highly welcomed and equally valued. The goal of Lauren's speaking and training in the greater society is to help the human species grow in both wisdom and compassion. Her fervent desire is to help all people see the divine in themselves and themselves in each other. For more information about Lauren's programs, please visit laurennile.com. Aliens with Gas, we are the Extraterrestrial Rock Show, airing every Saturday afternoon on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix, a phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. <laughs> phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomenon. Do, do. All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. To reach host Lauren N. Nile with questions or comments about the program, please send an email to author and speaker Lauren at gmail.com. That's author and speaker Lauren at gmail.com. Now, let's return to the fate of humanity. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back. So, before the break, uh, I was telling you about myself as a kid, 
who uh, had this incredible curiosity about the world and about the universe and about the great mysteries of reality and also about that other half of me, uh, you know, that little social activist who was bound and determined to do something when I grew up, when I grew up to make the world a, a better place. I, I refer to them as really the lion and the lamb uh, in me, and I've had both of them for as long as I can remember. Of course, the lion is that social activist that wants to make the world a more compassionate, loving place. And uh, the lamb is the part of me that's the spiritual seeker, you know, the the part of me that could, I think, really, honestly, be happy living in a monastery, um, you know, contemplating the mysteries and trying to get in touch with, with my uh, higher self. So, yeah, um, as an adult, uh, I, I wrote a book. It's called Race, My Story, and Humanity's Bottom Line. And on, on other shows, I'll tell you a little bit more about that book. You can read the reviews on my website, www.laurenile.com. But um, I'll just tell you right now that, you know, I'm a keynote speaker. I speak at conferences and to organizations about a fairly wide range of issues, actually. But the fundamental goal of my speaking as a keynote speaker is to open people's minds and hopefully in the process open their hearts. What, what I try to do is to communicate a compelling vision of what's possible in human, in human interactions and in human relationships. You know, what's possible for us in our human relationships founded upon self-awareness and emotional intelligence and respect for ourselves and for others. I mean, that's really the bottom line. You know, and, and that's what I try to, to do in all of my keynote speeches. As a trainer, sure, you know, I train in a number of areas, but my passion is diversity work because it's in doing that work that, that I, I believe that I make my most significant contribution to people's personal growth. It's, it's in the area of diversity that I, I think I most help people to see the true sister and brotherhood of humanity. When I work in organizations... Uh, the goal of my work is to help create environments in which all of its employees, all people, um, are equally valued and, and equally appreciated, equally welcomed. You know, I, I try to help organizations create environments in which understanding and, and, and kindness are valued. The goal of my speaking and training in the greater society, I, I like to say, is to help the human species grow in both wisdom and in compassion. My fervent desire is to help all people, all of us, see the divine in ourselves and ourselves in each other. Now, uh, in a few minutes, I think we might have time for one or two callers. So uh, please feel free to give me a call, ask me any question you'd like. Uh, the number to call in is 866-472-5788. Again, the number to call in is 866 866- Four seven two, five seven eight eight, and I'd be happy to take uh, a question from. I think we'll have time from uh, for a question from one or two callers. Now, I think um, I, I think of this show as the continuation of my activism. You know, I, I think of it as a continuation of my effort to help humanity grow, uh, to help humanity mature. I'll be having conversations sometimes alone on the show. And in those shows, it'll be only me. Uh, but sometimes I'll have a guest that I'll be interviewing. And sometimes uh, you'll be with me on the show. It'll, it'll be a call-in show. 
I have a list of great guests for the show. I mean, a list of great guests, scientists, theologians, social activists, and of course, on call-in shows, I'd love to receive your calls to get your questions, your thoughts, your comments about the topics that we'll be discussing. I, I hope I can get uh, the speakers uh, that, I, that I, I'm going to try to get for the show. I really hope they uh, agree to come on and allow me to, inter- to interview them. So I'm, I'm doing this show quite simply to use my voice for the good of humanity, to make that contribution to humanity, which I believe I'm here to make in you know, my own unique way. I, I believe that we're all here uh, to share our unique message, to make our unique contribution to the human species. And I, I strongly believe that in spreading my message, that as human beings we are one, we are brilliant, and we are divine, I'm actually uh, living up to my calling, that that's my reason for being here. My personal goal in doing a show is to increase exponentially the number of fellow human beings with which I can share that message. My hope is that in listening to my show, you'll gain a perspective on the issues that we'll be focusing on um, in you know, much broader and, and, and much deeper ways than you you know, might have had on the show, uh, that you gain a perspective that's much broader and much deeper than you might have had prior to the show. But most importantly, I hope that no matter what your opinion is on the question that we'll be discussing, at the end of the show, you'll be aware of and, and understand many more perspectives of it uh, than you might now be aware of. My promise to you, my friends, is that the show will usually educate and hopefully utterly fascinate you. The most important thing that I offer you is an opportunity to gain and perhaps regain your awe and your wonderment about, your curiosity about the great mysteries. So I'm not sure if we actually do have time for a caller because I do want to just close out by saying, listen, my friends, I really look forward to connecting with you again next week. The show will air live at 6 a.m. Pacific and 9 Eastern and then rebroadcast again at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday for the next several weeks. So if your curiosity has been piqued or if you're at all interested or intrigued by anything you've heard over the last hour, please spread the word about the show. Tell all your family and your friends about it. Send the link to the show to your entire address book, all your Facebook and your LinkedIn and your Twitter contacts, all your social media contacts. And also tell them before tuning into next week's show how to listen to this show, the show that you're currently listening to right now. It'll be a podcast on my uh, Voice America webpage later today. So I'm sorry that we actually didn't have time to, to take a caller. I wasn't sure whether we would, but I thought perhaps we might. And uh, apparently we don't because it's almost time for, for me to get out of here and for you to start your day. So I really, really want to thank you for, for tuning in. I'm excited about the show. I really am. And I hope that after hearing the description of it, you are as well. Again, I'm Lauren Nile, and you've been listening to The Fate of Humanity crucial conversations for our survival. I hope that you've enjoyed the introduction to the show, and I really honestly thank you for listening. Have a great day, everybody, and remember that as human beings, we are one, we are brilliant, and we are divine. See you next week. Bye, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to The Fate of Humanity, Crucial Conversations for Our Survival. Please join your host, Lauren N. Dial, for another edition of our program next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you right here next week. 